Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Tequila Ocho, the show of being down in a speakeasy in Austin, Texas. It was a very good night. You know, I had interviewed Tomas Estes a few times, and I'd consider him such a rich human being, so many amazing stories. So it was just a matter of time until I interviewed his great son, Jesse Estes from Tequila Ocho. So we're downstairs at Kinfolk Cocktail Lounge here in Austin, Texas, sitting at a table drinking the Puntas, which is an amazing bottling, and the Widow Jane bottling that just came out, you can hear us kind of allude to it here. He wouldn't tell me what it was, which is totally fine, but now that's out, and so this was a little while ago. So I hope you get to learn a little bit more about Jesse. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Jesse Estes of Tequila Ocho. Uruguay, Paraguay, or Uruguay? Also. Oh yeah, actually, I don't know where you found that, but yeah, yeah I, I lived in Uruguay for a year. Yeah. What was that? I'm imagining a backpacking dude, a very Renaissance man. <laughs> like, what took you to Paraguay or Uruguay? Uruguay. 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 Yeah. yeah. What took you to study there? Uh, Uruguay was the only study abroad option that I had in South America, so I actually probably I probably would have chose Buenos Aires. Yeah. Although I'm I'm glad I didn't. The women are pretty good looking in Buenos Aires, if I recall. Well, it's just, it's, it's, I, it was always had this romanticism to me. I'd never been to, to South America. Yeah. Obviously, I've been to Mexico. But um, yeah, so I got to go to a really cool business school in Uruguay for a year as part of my business school program in, in London. Oh, okay. So it was a combination of what we're studying in London and all of that. Exactly. So yeah. it's hard for me to centralize the story in a sense, right? Because there's all these places I could place you. Ah. I think that the, the most of the chapters of your life occurred in London. That's my my understanding, right? But where did you actually grow up? No one. I don't think anybody knows this about you, Jesse. Where the hell are you kicking dirt and all that? I was kicking dirt almost literally in in uh, the suburbs of Paris, in Paris, and, really? and just outside of Paris. Yeah. Is did that have in part something to do with the restaurateur nature of your father, or was it completely separate than that? Yeah, my so my dad lived in Europe. Probably almost 30 years or about 30 years. Yeah. Um, so during that time, he lived in France about 16 years. So that's when I was born. Really? And just grew up there, yeah. Did you have wanderlust too? You know what I mean by that term? I, I did, man. I think that was really genetic or at least uh, biosmosis from my dad, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. And one of the things that I think that yeah, I know you have is an undying curiosity for the world. Is that fair to say? Yeah, man. Yeah, and I get and I get to satiate that very, very fortunately. I'm very fortunate to get to travel a lot. So, being in Paris, you an art guy or a film guy? Oh, film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, film. Ever consider moving in that direction? Because it sounds like you're studying business. And I'll tell you what, my three brothers are are all three creative types. Yeah. In different ways, musician, ta- tattoo artist, and all kinds of different media. And my older brother actually did work in, in film. Did he really? Um, yeah. 
but uh, I'm my my side of the brain that works is the, is the opposite side. Not to say I'm not creative, but I'm just good with numbers and yeah. I can I can kind of figure that stuff out. Operations guy. Yeah, <laughs> I've met a lot of over the years. I've been interviewing people, and I remember you know Teeling whiskey. Yeah, of course, man. I interviewed Jack ten yeah. years ago, right? And his father is a God, it's just a, a, a massive presence in Irish whiskey and revitalizing Cooley Distillery and all this stuff. But I asked him. I said. Did you feel obligated to get into the family business? Because Ocho started in what, 2007? Yeah, our first production was 07, and then we launched officially 08. Yeah. Was it because you got brothers, right? Yeah. You created brothers. Like, did you feel that you had to do it? That you had to work on Agave? No, that's a great question. Um, I started off in, in hospitality, so I, I kind of was, was very fortunate to um, be taken under the wing of uh, Dre Masso and yeah. Henry Bezant, uh, the late Henry Bezant, unfortunately. So, um, you know, they kind of opened my eyes to this whole world of the London cocktail scene mm-hmm. in the late 2000s. And yeah, man, I, I was just so in love with the bar industry that that's kind of what I followed. And at a certain point I was working for, I think it was Marriott Group, uh-huh. and kind of not enjoying it as much, you know, the more corporate side of, of hospitality. And, uh, you know, my dad and I started talking. He said, I think this might be a good time for you to join the family business if you want. And yeah. I said, I'm, I'm in. Like, that sounds great. So so it just it was the right place, right time. You never yeah. felt like you had to carry the torch. No, not at all. It just happened organically. And uh, I'm really, you know, pleased, extremely pleased with the way things worked out. I mean, it's not a bad brand. <laughs> you have some amazing, it's an amazing players, brand. right? Yeah. Uh, I think that one of the things that business folks, because I'm, I'm kind of both, right? Like I love to create music and, and, and I always think about that stuff, right? Is there something that being in service and being in hospitality that can give you that, that no business, no spreadsheet could give you? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I loved that part. And, I, and until recently, and even now, I still, you know, I love creating cocktails, and I've written two cocktail it's like books. Two or three books, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd love to write a third one. I don't. I haven't found the time recently, but I'd love to do three. I like the idea of a trilogy. Of more books. Yeah, <laughs> more <laughs> books. With it, you like people, of course, man. I think in in our industry, at least to some extent, we ha- we have to. Man. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I don't. See, I don't meet many mis- misanthropes in uh, in hospitality it's or a good drinks. Point. Yeah. I do. It's something, though, that I, I find kind of interesting, too, about working in service is, and, and, and there's reasons I'm better at this or not, but I very, I'm very good at compartmentalizing. I compartmentalize. Right, okay. So, but that's how I deal with all the different things, right? Yeah, yeah. Is the face you put on in service uh-huh. different than the guy that goes home at night and unwinds? Yeah, so you call it compartmentalizing, but it could just be a mat. You know, I call it, yeah, I used to call it a persona. There's yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah, a persona yeah, yeah. you put on just to be able to yeah deal with difficult people, or we, we all we all know the kind of challenges yeah. of of that role. But uh, yeah, I think that makes complete sense. Do you think that, you, that you're ever at risk of being too open with the guests, too transparent, or you're fine with them coming into your life because that's what it is, right? They come yeah, there and yeah. they're like, yeah, but. You seem to hold it together so well, and you're like, well, actually, <laughs> is there a, is there boundaries there that you have to kind of put in place? I think it changed over time. I think at the beginning there certainly were, and then yeah, yeah it changes. I think uh, as uh, I don't know, as you become more comfortable in, or I became more comfortable in myself, right? It changes, and I think it is easier to just, just not need be, those boundaries. Be yeah. the place, because and this is a separate 
we're both getting it's fair to say that everybody in this room right now is getting older <laughs> by by the minute and you came in hit the ground running when you ended it head into texas you did some stuff it, it, like you're all over the place right do you feel it more now because it seems like your profile has increased because you're now global for, uh-huh. for ocho after your father passed and you're traveling more i'm seeing you're doing more and more tastings are you feeling the toll it's taken on your body yet yes I, i'm really feeling it and uh there's things that i've had to do to mitigate that so um, what are some things you do to mitigate for one i, I drink a lot less yeah yeah and how dare I, you yeah i drink <laughs> well and, and i you know as much as i love cocktails um those levels of sugar man are, are that's different. that's what's killing me even more than seven tastings a day yeah Four, four days, you know, this week as well in four cities. Would you agree? This is my mantra as I get older. Yeah. I'll drink any spirit and eat all night. Yeah. And it's fine, right? Yeah. Tequila, mezcal, all of that. Yeah. The, I love that there's a thing I've worked when I've interviewed people from Diageo, right? They, there was actually, oh, I want to tell you this. Um, you know, is it Piedra Almas? The uh-huh. mezcal? Yeah. So Jonathan, I think. I've never met Jonathan Barbieri, you, but yeah, I've heard of him. him. They yeah. wouldn't let me interview him. Diageo wouldn't. Diageo wouldn't. Wow. And they said he's not media ready. Okay. And if you have drinks with this dude, maybe you can understand why. For, for their portfolio. But your image is communicated crisply, cleanly. Like, I don't know who's doing your PR or whatnot. You're an author. You're doing this stuff. No, 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 no PR. Yeah. It's not. Like, is, <laughs> I, is that cleanliness and the tightness of the brand of you, is uh-huh. that intentional? No, not at all. Oh, it is not? No. We've never, well, we've had one or two PR companies for Ocho. Yeah, I've never, I've never worked with a PR company for my personal brand. Yeah, no. it's it. They're doing a good job, which I guess commending commending you in doing this, right? Ah, uh-huh. because you're, it's it's all very very crisp, and I, I like that because some people, you're media ready. Is that good? Is that that's not an insult? Is it? I mean, I don't, I I don't know whether I'm ready or not, but I'm here. <laughs> Sotol in hand. Yeah, well, there you go. That, that's a great thing to be able to share with you. And I, it's okay if we talk about your dad? Sure. Um, I think we all have a story about him, you know? And he was articulate. You're articulate. He loved people. And that's why I asked you about the service bit, uh-huh. right? Because it, you love people. You kind of have to, right? Was there... And, and this is, you know, you don't have to, to reveal too, too much. But he was that man with you sitting in the living room on the couch? Or is there a slight different disparity there to what he gave others versus what he gave you? Yeah, I think, well, this kind of brings us back to an earlier topic of conversation, which was, you know, compartmentalizing what you call, and what I would call having a persona, maybe, yeah. or multiple personae. Um and I don't think my dad had that. At least in you know in the years that I can remember him, he was just this kind of open being mm-hmm. with pretty much everyone for the most part that he came across. Yeah. And I think that was and is so unusual. Uh, at least in my experience, it's very unusual to to meet someone like that. Yeah. So I think I think people noticed that. It is refreshing when someone is willing to be, and this is the word I'd use to describe him vulnerable yeah great words you know he was not afraid of showing love and actually i learned a lot about love and being able to 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 appreciate and bring in love from him because that's the kind of thing that he he exuded and 
is there any feeling that you you have to emulate that style now that you've presumed such a big role because you're such a massive figure and you have what is ultimately the biggest platform to be a massive figure too mm. Uh, no, I, you know, if maybe that's crossed my mind, I, I gave it up pretty quickly because, you know, I'm, I, as much as I wish I were like that and maybe, you know, down the line, that's something I'll grow into more, yeah. but I'm not going to try and fit myself into, you know, something I'm not necessarily, which and, is great. And, you know, I'm just, I, I am who I am and, and that's what I bring to the table basically. And so then this is, this will be a cheeky question, but <laughs> you love the ladies too? I love a lady, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I always get that, that through all the drugs that, that, that your father talked about, all the shows and like seeing Frank Zappa and stuff. It was very clear he loved the ladies. I think my dad loved everyone. He I don't. Did, I don't. Right, I don't right. think. And I don't think it was necessarily even sexual love. I think it could be, but it wasn't. It, it was just like you said. It was just love. This yeah. kind of pure energy that we can call love. And it was. He was receptive to it, mm -hmm. and he. And he gave it freely yeah. to, to anyone. I, I, again, women, you're, you're men. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to put a gender to it, but he was a romantic dude, I think. I would he, say so. You know. Yeah, in, in, in some ways, yeah. Do you find yourself being drawn to, you know, we talk about film and he was teaching English. Do you have the same proclivity? Like, obviously, you like to travel. We talked about this. But are you inspired by art? Is it something that refills you, that you, you seek out to maybe get a refreshed perspective on things? Honestly, probably not. <laughs> no. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not much of a museum goer and, uh, you know, I can appreciate different forms of art, you yeah. know, music and things like that. But no, I don't, I don't kind of seek out art and it's not something that I, yeah, that, that, that kind of fills something in my life for me. What refreshes you? What inspires you? Because you're on the road, never to say it's rote, right? But you get yeah. a different crowd every night. You got to play the hits. <laughs> you know what I mean? These Ocho hits. I think there's gonna be some great stuff here tonight, at King Folk, that we're trying. But like, what? How do you get perspective? Do you go into the mountains? Do you hike? Yeah, like getting away from it all, and, and nature is a big one. Um, so I live in London, which is a busy city, and I live in a in a busy part of a busy. <laughs> so city. many great forests in London, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just five minutes walk from my from my place yeah. is, a, is a huge forest. Actually, I did used to live near the the Heath, which oh, is did you? an enormous forest. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I live very much in the city now um so yeah man to get out and you know i'll be with family on the west coast in the mountains mm -hmm. and up in portland next or, week uh, oregon yeah in yeah. oregon so yeah to me that's like i usually deactivate social media mm -hmm. and just phone is off most of the time and the, there was a moment and please i'm gonna i want to try to draw the similarity there was a moment i had when i was last in oaxaca same right i went out there to learn as much as I could mm -hmm. throughout their month, just be, just be, exist, right? And I was sitting in front of the agave. I was out in Santiago de Matatlan, and I heard them. I felt them. The agaves, just like you do yeah. with the trees. Like, is that something when you can block out all the other noise? You're sitting there amongst this beautiful smelling conif coniferous forest. Do you feel connected to it? Yeah, at times, yeah. I mean, if you know, it's not. I can't just walk out in nature no, yeah, and all of a sudden yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there and yeah. fully present and, 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 and in tune, uh, which I think is kind of what you're describing. Yeah. But yeah, man, it does happen and, and it's, it's a great feeling. And I think that's more probably how we are naturally as human beings mm -hmm. or as beings to be in tune with nature rather than the way certainly I live and, and many of us live our day-to-day -day lives.
Do you find it to be one of the things that's so special about agave? Tequila or mezcal or bacanora? Well, yeah, one of the many things, I would say, that, that's special and unique. And mm. obviously you have lots of experience in this yeah, arena, too. Yeah, we both too. do. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's a big category and it, it's one of the few that brings us together. Because I can't say bourbon brings us together, even if I enjoy drinking it, you know. And much of your specialty, I think the first maybe super foray into agave was... You curated all of the stuff, which was El Nivelle was the upstairs bar to Black La Perla. That's right, yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah, well, yeah. How how did that feel to finally come into your own and expect to be kind of like an art director with the bottles and the agave? Um, I, you know, I didn't give it that much thought at the time, mm. and it's you know, this is uh, I'm very fortunate that this is a world that I feel like I grew up in, mm-hmm. the, the tequila, mezcal, agave world, and yeah, to just you know source really cool stuff and be kind of the first bar to showcase uh, lesser-known agave spirits. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, Bacanora, Ricea, Soto, if we can call that an agave spirit, yeah, which I do. Yeah, same. Um, and, yeah, so we so we were the fo- first, quote-unquote, uh, agaveria. Yeah, in, which in, is massive in a yeah. place like London. Well, so we're here because you're finally traveling. Take on, how long, as I know you were been repping Ocho for a long time. I, I think it was mostly in Europe, wasn't it? previously or were you doing global the whole time uh i would say let's call it international so outside of north america okay not mexico and not us but rest of the world and that's expanded now though yeah uh yeah so now i'm 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 fully global yeah and uh really enjoying you know it's my first time in austin so i'm really enjoying yeah Yeah. it is crazy to me too yeah Yeah. Uh, what's what's the plan look like i know you've got a private tasting here this evening what else you got in store for Austin? oh and you're going to las amas rotas tomorrow in right. Dallas, yeah. In Dallas, so yeah. tonight, yeah. I think we have Las Perlas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then early, early start to uh, Dallas, full day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish, man, I wish I could spend two weeks in each of those places. I get about 20 hours in each, so. That's I, a I'm lot. Just, yeah. You're going to feel that, you know. Yeah, like I said, I, luckily, next week, I'm on holiday, but yeah, again, I'm, I'm used to it. I want to talk about the newly released Puntas. Yeah, man. Uh I, I, once I saw it coming out, I think you posted it. Some, I think you were the one. I'm like, oh shit, it's, it's gonna be a thing. Yeah. Because I liked a lot of the transcontinent, like the transcontinental that, that yeah. partnership with Pierre Ferrand. Uh, one of them was, I think, amazing. And whatever the middle one, which was a, a mix of both, I think that was the transatlantic. Thank you. Yeah. So that one to me, it, it was really a, a fascinating spirit, and it was one that I, I, I kept the bottle because like. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the punta is, what's the thinking here? Because I love it, and I think to be able to experience agave in that way we sell i mean carlos i know he made a one ten tapatio previously but try to find that shit now right but what's the thinking is if do you want consumers to experience something else is it about the raw material what's kind of the strategy with releasing that man i think this is something that we did for years for fun mm. because you know we we borrowed from mezcal culture and you know tequila was Carlos's great great grandfather was producing Vila de Mezcal, mm-hmm. and eventually the, the name changed. Yeah. But, um, you know, so we share this kind of culture with Mezcal and Ricea, mm-hmm. for example, in Jalisco. And uh, yeah, of course, they take that cut, the puntas, and save it for their uh, guests or, you know, for village parties, uh, weddings, and things. So we would save some of our puntas for, for visitors to La Alteña. Mm-hmm. And the cuts were anywhere between 63 up to kind of 75% ABV. Nice, yeah. So, yeah, 
heaps of alcohol, but mm-hmm. also lots of flavor being carried by that alcohol. So we always had the kind of fantasy of bottling that at some point. Of course, as you know, legally we can't bottle tequila over 55%, right. like Tabatillo 110 is yeah, just yeah. at the limit. Um, so we ended up taking that cut of every run of distillation of La Ladera mm-hmm. 2021, collected that all. That came off about 64%, 128 proof. Again, not only, could, not only could we not bottle that as tequila, but also I love having a few sips of that, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily have two, three ounces. It's just a little, it's a little bit too exhaust. Bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit hot for me. So we tasted it at several different ABVs or proofs, and the one we all loved the best was 50.5, yeah. 101. Yeah. So it, to me, it just drinks really, really well. Again, heaps of flavor. We're going to taste it later tonight. Oh, nice. Just to tease your uh, your listeners a bit here. Yeah. Well, if, they, if, if you all know me, <laughs> the bottle's finished now. So I'm, I got to go. I got to find another one. But it's it's really, really beautiful thing. Thank but, you. Uh, but, thank but you. Thank you. What I am very excited by is what it seems to be, at least annually, that you all are going to do more bold things, things that are more creative. Is that the plan? It seems like this kind of, these projects are coming about. Yeah, so we, we, we aim to re- do at least one release a year. That's nice, something okay. new, different. Again, with Kilo Ocho, since its inception, we've never wanted to just follow the market, follow what others are doing. Yeah. We've always wanted to do something different. So back in 2017, we did the first ever uh, cask finishing rum cask. This, yeah. Uh, Plantation Barbados, Plantation Jamaica. Mm. Then, of course, the ones you've tried, the tropical and the transatlantic, are the first ever full aging, uh, to my knowledge, that a tequila's done with uh, with rum barrels. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's always just finding ways to push the, the boundaries a bit, and we've got lots of ideas. Do Do you have any anything in your mind like dude i really wish we would do that but but you're not because i wouldn't i don't want you to spoil the surprise but just something that you probably will never do that you might want to do in terms of just like an experimental That's batch exa- yeah exactly yeah there, there's definitely a few of those there's uh there's more than one of those so we'll see if uh if if you know also there are experiments that we that we do that they don't make it to, yeah. because to us the goal is always to have agave front and center mm-hmm. in all of our tequilas so if we produce something that you know is a really cool idea, but it lacks that agave element for some reason, it's not it's not going to make it to to anyone else. Yeah, because you know that's that's kind of against our philosophy. What? How big was that patch of puntas? It couldn't have been very big, right? The total amount was eight hundred. Excuse me, eight hundred six six bottle cases. That's not that so. Six hundred went to the U.S. and then two hundred to the rest of the yeah. world. So you guys. <laughs> You guys got the line shit. Well, we demonstrate, Jesse, that we drink a shit ton more than I know, man. I didn't don't <laughs> I know. tell the Brits that. They drink more pints, but we drink more agave. This is very I'm, true. Yeah, this it's this growing there, but yeah, they need to they need to get on that and keep keep drinking hundred percent high quality tequila. How often are you go down to La Altena now? Well, obviously, you know, for the last two years it was more complicated, but I was just there a couple months ago and I'll be there in a few months. So I was gonna try and get out there three times this year, but it probably wound up being two but yeah i try and get there at least three times yeah and carlos still has the deer he's still got the pet deer pet yeah deer. man yeah. Yeah. Be, I, I love deers man and carlos yeah. is a it, it's fun it it would have been the best buddy cop movie had the you know your dad and yeah. carlos bennett you know because they're just so different and it's this beautiful kind of dynamic between the two of them 
well things are in terms of agave like every year more and more mezcal brands more and more tequila brands and it's very evident to me the lineage of the ownership and the lineage of the process and carlos like why ocho is spectacular stuff yeah but for you if no one knew anything about you knew nothing of your father what's the thing that sums up what ocho is for folks that just simply don't know so yeah i'll try and keep it concise because uh, it's easy like <laughs> this one, it was kind of in, admittedly a, like an underhand because i just want to hear how you pitch ocho because yeah, everybody yeah. talks about tequila you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be talking about it for about two hours and there's that too very <laughs> very shortly so you get the long pitch then but uh, I'll, I'll keep it short for the the listeners um no to me you know there's three things that make ocho really unique and different for one again it was created by my father and carlos who are both really unique individuals in the world of tequila so carlos being a fifth generation master distiller yeah. uh, with really deep roots and heritage and in, in tequila production and agave growing and my father among other things being the official tequila ambassador from mexico to the european union and and having worked with tequila globally and especially in europe for almost 50 years mm -hmm. So I think the two of them together, getting together to create the most agave forward tequila, that's really the number one goal with Ocho. So if I, if I only got to say one of those that's three, pretty good. that would be the one. I and didn't know about the ambassador thing to the EU. Oh, you didn't know I that? I didn't know that. Uh -uh. Because if you talk to my dad, he, he, was, he was so humble, he would never say something about, that, about, about himself. Yeah. And, well, and for me to talk to, to him, was, it was about, yeah, but like... Where did I'm always in? I always talk about music like every time, and so I was like, "What was the best show you went to?" You know? I remember that. Yeah, 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 that was a really cool answer. You yeah, because he's Frank, Frank Zappa yeah. in Amsterdam. He didn't. I don't <laughs> think he told me the year, but like it, it's just one of those things that, to me, art, spirits are art, outros art, but I want to know what it impacts people and what moves them. Hence why I'm asking all these questions right. about art and, and and nature and all of that. But I do wonder for you. It's, it's been pretty easy to see how your career has built and, and moved in the kind of trajectory that it's had. Um, lots of great press, as I've kind of mentioned previously. Is there an ultimate goal to this for you? Do you imagine yourself being in Hacienda retired and you're 70? What do you think this all adds up to for you? That's a great question, man. And, and honestly, I haven't thought that far ahead, yeah. you know. 40 years or so yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't have that long term of a plan but no I, I look I love working with you know Ocho in this case and Agave Spirits in general mm -hmm. and yeah man I'm not especially after the last two years with the pandemic yeah I stopped ma making so many plans so far in advance and I'm and I'm trying and, and 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 largely succeeding and just being a bit more present here yeah we have no idea what's coming tomorrow or next week or next month so it's it's a great point was there any being present? This is actually a very, very key thing for me as of late in the past couple of years. What do you do? Because we both know, however many drinks it is for us with our respective tolerances, there's a couple, there's a number that's still pretty good. Uh -huh. We're still here, we're feeling <laughs> the boat, right? Like, but then there's that number where, like, I'm still here, but I'm not really present. <laughs> what kind of, do you do any work particularly to try to make sure you stay present? Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I had I had dipped my toe into meditation yeah, in the ask. past. Uh, I started meditating a bit more seriously towards the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't want to sound kind of, uh, you know, 
cliche or something, but it really changed my life, you know, it, it, for, for obviously for the be- better. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just feel much calmer, more centered, yeah. more kind of equanimous, and yeah. I love that. Even when you're traveling, you're able to practice? I, I mean, practice I can, anywhere, yeah. Well, of course, of course. If I've, got a, if I've got a five-minute cab ride, meditate there. I just, you know, I think that's kind of the, the beauty of meditation or mindfulness. People can call it whatever they want. I mean, yeah. to me, it's just getting out of my head mm-hmm. and into my body mm-hmm. and my breath and, and t- coming out of narrative. We're constantly telling ourselves these stories that, yes. you know, don't, are not helpful most of the time. No. So, yeah. Did you find that... I don't, I don't meditate, but I, I sink into art i'll play piano. i've got a grand piano at the house uh-huh. so i'll just play and then that, well, you can't help but you can't get out of the way of the sound it, yeah it's quite immersive in that one yeah but what i found that it did is it made me understand who i was more. yeah has that done that for you too sure of course man and i think like i've heard what you're describing called flow by certain people you yes. get so involved in what you're doing that you kind of you lose yourself in a really nice way yeah, yeah. and it's that narrative you're, you're right it always i mean drink coffee yeah do you drink coffee? I don't. No, oh. I don't. I, I mean, every once in a while I have tea or something, but I really don't do caffeine actually. Well, that doesn't help anything. Ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the narrative is that's rambling on in yeah. our minds, like oh, I should have done this or not this, caffeine just obviously inflates it. It makes yeah. it so much worse. So like, it's actually kind of nice to hear you say that. All right, now this I don't know about you. I wasn't able to find this, and I've never asked your dad. Um, you have kids? No, no kids. Do you want to have kids? I don't know yet, man. Um, luckily, my, my girlfriend is quite a bit younger than me, so yeah. we, have, we have time to, to, to think that about out. that and figure that out. When you think of the word legacy, because I, I believe your father, you know, in a way it wasn't a physical torch, but there's some torch, I think, that was passed down. Do you ever, now mind you, that might take you out of the moment that we're trying to be in this present, but do you ever think about what you're doing, like what your legacy may be? Is it ever your impact on the world how about that yeah yeah i think you know it's something i do think about and i guess that kind of ties in with your question about what what do i see myself doing yeah, in yeah, 30 40 50 years um honestly again this sounds so cheesy and cliche but i just i think being just being a good person and putting out good things in the world and yeah. doing more good in the world than harm mm-hmm. is really underrated man it's super powerful as opposed it? to like creating a you know, a monument or having a statue mm-hmm. in terms of legacy. I just think, you know, we should focus a little bit on doing good things for other people near us. And Absolutely. Yeah. In, in that vein. Yeah. I really do. And I let me sound cliched for a second. <laughs> um, I do believe in the balance of the universe. Yeah. Do you feel that putting goodness out there, being kind being inquisitive that living that kind of life oh it got really dark in here now. <laughs> for <laughs> wow. those who can't tell me, that that it yields dividends in some extent i i no, think no it's expectation mind you just saying i don't i wouldn't even call it dividends i think it's just it, to me it's immediate because when you're in that frame of mind of, mm-hmm. of being i don't want to use the word benevolent but just putting out good in the world you're putting out good to yourself mm-hmm. in in that very moment yeah so it's it, to me, it's it's instantaneous. It's not a dividend I'm going to reap a year from yeah, now. Yeah, well, you know, it's you have no. There's no motive in it. Yeah, it's selfless. Yeah, and that was another thing. The love that your father gave was, yeah. was selfless. Yeah. Right? Well, 
this place just got a whole lot sexier and just seeing the lights. <laughs> yeah, down I know. And we, we got a tasting here about seven minutes. So I've got one qu- last question for you. And ask everybody this question, and um, your, your, your dad can't be the answer to this one. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I remember the question. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If I'm known for a thing, that's fine. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I was in Marfa some t- some months or like some weeks ago. Someone recognized my voice, and I'm like, from what? It's like the podcast. I'm like, oh right, the voice. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I got this fucking question. I ask everybody, but I want to take it to fi- I want to take it to film. Okay, so. We'll just say right here, we're at yeah. Kinfolk, right? This is, and you can drink some of the tequila ocho puntas, right? Yeah. And you can have a conversation here, drinking that mark with any actress, actor, living or deceased. Who would you love to just, at this bar right here, pony up and have a conversation with? It has to be an, an actor or actress. It could be anybody, any, it could be a gaffer. If you really have yeah, a favorite yeah. gaffer, that's fine. I think. I would love to, I would love to get to hang out with Quentin Tarantino. Oh man! I, yeah. So actually, he did, technically, he is an actor because he yeah, does, absolutely. but, but mo- obviously, mo- much more of a director. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that would be cool. Man, would you geek out of her film with him? I hope so. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I, I'm talking about a guy who was kind. There's been some things said about him, but Robert Forster, right? Uh-huh. Who got I think an Oscar nomination after being completely castigated from Hollywood and Jackie Brown, the the Bondsman. Robert right, Forster. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Quentin, in his kindness, Robert Forrester said to him, I just heard the story the other day, and then we'll wrap, and he said, Quentin, no one's going to hire me. I'm a husband. He was a, an actor in the 70s and the 80s, been yeah. low brown stuff. And Quentin said, they'll hire whoever I say they hire. <laughs> because he believed in him so much. You know? yeah. Anyway, it's, it's this kind of, this kindness, and I think that Tarantino has that. But Jesse, it's been years in the making, man. <laughs> Great to finally um, meet you, Finally brother. we get to do this yeah. thing, and we're going to drink some tequila. It's the beginning of a night. That's what I'm going to say. This is the beginning of a night. Yeah. Thank you so much well for joining said. me. Yeah. Talk soon, yeah. Thank you, brother. Cheers. Well, there we have it. Jesse Estes of Tequila Ocho. Been years. You know, we have many similar friends. We've probably been in the same room before, but never had an opportunity to sit down and discuss. Really erudite guy, focused, very career focus you know he's got these beautiful ideas for the brand now and i i don't think much will change now that heaven hill is kind of involved but it's good to know that he's still going to be at the helm there and making a lot of those choices uh creatively as well which i think would be really really interesting to see so jesse thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me and thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g no matter which strange charlie sheen movie from the 80s you found on tubi this fine Friday morning, or if you're thinking, Mike put out another record, why? That's so many, so maybe you want to check it out. Please, keep dancing.